0: Thirteen, seventeen. He was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath, and behold, there was a woman who was had a spirit of infirmity eighteen years and was bent over and couldn't in no way raise herself up. But when Jesus saw her, he called to her, her to him and said to her, "Woman, you are loosened from your infirmity." And he laid his hands on her, and immediately she was made straight and glorified God. But the ruler of the synagogue answered with indignation, because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath. And he said to the crowd, There are six days in which men ought to work. Therefore, come and be healed on one of them, and not on the Sabbath day. The Lord then answered him and said, Hypocrite! Does not each one of you on the Sabbath loose his ox or donkey from the stall and lead him away to water it? So ought not this woman, being a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan has bound, think of it, for 18 years be loosened from this bound bond on the Sabbath? And when he said these things, all his adversaries were put to shame. And all the multitude rejoice for all the glorious things that were done by him.
1: Very good. Thanks, Don. So I've got this situation when my eyes seem to be watering a lot tonight, so. Hopefully I can follow along with what I have written down here. When Jesus saw, we've been talking about that for a while. We went through the Gospel of Mark, and every place where that phrase showed up there, we kind of touched that. And now I've slid over to Luke, because there's a couple of times when that, that phrase shows up there, and I thought the subject material was way above my pay grade, but I'd try to talk about it anyway. <clears throat> it has to do with women. Jesus saw her, you know, so now I've got to say something. Like I actually know what I'm talking about when it comes to the kind of problems this dear sister had. So I'm going to give it my best and you ladies can straighten me out afterwards or torture me, whatever, if I, but I appreciate some feedback because I'm just a man at the end of the day. Like Tammy Wynette said, stand by your man. You know, after all, he's just a man, you know, it's one of those stories. <clears throat> but Jesus went around Like in verse 10 it starts off he says he was teaching and uh, one of the synagogues on the Sabbath that's what Jesus did wasn't he go around teaching well, for the most part he did a lot of other things too but the other things were the signs and the wonders and the kind of things that were trying to validate the teaching as being from God because the one speaking was Messiah. And so there was a lot of supernatural stuff going on around the teaching times of Jesus Christ when he was here on earth. And we know from the last study in Mark that we did that, you know, it's uh, now's the time, the time has come, the kingdom is at hand, repent and believe the gospel. And he's teaching these things and expounding and expanding and delivering the ideas of, it's time the king is in the room. We need to rethink what we always thought was right and start re-examining and changing the direction and the flow of our thought, have it influence our lives in a way that it's almost making a complete turnaround and going in a different direction. Instead of a works-based system, moving on over to a believe the gospel system, do you have faith in Jesus Christ? Well, when he first said that, you know, the time has come, the kingdom is hand, repent, believe the gospel. I mean, they didn't have a clue what he was talking about. So he spent three years explaining it to them. Everything he did was to convince the Jewish people that they needed a Savior, their Messiah. This story really isn't much different than those, but he was in a synagogue. Now, there in his dictionary, he talks about synagogues. We should get this down, because this is important. Synagogues were uh, an assembly place of the Jews, formally gathered together, often to pray and to listen to the Scripture read. Exposition of the Scriptures. They got together every Sabbath day and feast day, and afterwards, that, after those... Second and fifth days of the week, twice a week, Sabbath. I mean, they're going to the synagogue all the time. The name actually transferred to some of the Christian assemblies over time. Well, why? Because in some places, all the Jews in the synagogue became born-again Christians. And they started meeting for church services, in a sense, in the synagogue. And this assembly, as it's called in the New Testament, the ecclesia, a lot of this church gathering stuff is gathered together after the same fashion as what the synagogues were built upon. They had a building, and the buildings were uh, those, for those solemn Jewish assemblies that were held in the synagogue. And it sort of started after the Babylonian exile. They... Jews were scattered. Some of them ran. And then a few years before that, the Northern Ten Tribes were scattered all over the known world. And so they they got to a point, well, we can't make it back to Jerusalem, but we still need to honor the Sabbath and do the best we can. So these this little synagogue thing, this gathering place, started coming together for the Jewish people all around the known world. And then it would always work out that, they needed a ruler of the synagogue because somebody had to be the guy that knew the most about what was in the book or the scrolls. And they probably passed the scrolls around from town to town synagogue, because they're expensive to they have a handwritten copy of the whole Old Testament. And so they had this guy who was the head of the synagogue, the ruler, the lead guy. And he made sure that everything that went on in there went on according to the rules. So that's that's where we start. Jesus was in the synagogue and he was teaching. We get to verse 11. Behold, there was a woman. Had a spirit of infirmity, 18 years, was bent over and could in no way raise herself up. Do you think that was a surprise to Jesus that this woman was there? I, I think it's like John 4, the Samaritan. He's I'm going to Samaria. I have a reason to go to Samaria. I must needs go to Samaria to meet a woman. He went there. <clears throat> I think Jesus is here in this synagogue. One of many, it says, by accident, I'm sure. Here she comes. A woman with an 18 year problem. I don't think he was surprised at all. I think his plan was Because the ruler of this synagogue had an issue in his heart that the Lord was going there on purpose for the two of them, for both of them. Now, there's a behold, so that's, pay attention, not an accidental encounter. We have here a woman, a gunay. Does that sound like a really nice word for a woman? A gune, a gune. No matter how you pronounce it, it don't. It just doesn't sound good, ladies. I'm sorry, I didn't write the Greek language, but it is where we get the word gynecologist. So, if you have certain things that you were born with, let's say, and you fit the description of gune, you go to a guneologist for medical concerns. That's just how it works. I don't care what the other people say who have slipped off the farm, but this is what it is. And Thayer says, it's a woman. No doubt about it. We're talking about a woman. This lady came into the synagogue. And she had a problem. Here it says, a spirit of infirmity. Now, here's a couple of really cool words. Spirit. Numa, Spirit. You know about that? It could be anything from a dog breathing to God himself, Holy Spirit. It is a really loosely defined word. Jesus talks about the wind in John 3. It it could be the human spirit. It could be the essence of something. There's a whole list of things there. I I narrowed it down so I could get it on the screen. If you ever look that word up in the Greek, it's, it's huge. But What seems to fit here is the power of feelings and thinking and decisions, meaning like the simple essence of something, like the spirit of the law. Is that the Holy Spirit of the law or is a demon of the law? Which is it? Or is it the law has its own essence? You see what I mean? So it's kind of hard to say, every time you read the word spirit in the Bible, you think, are they talking demons or God? Maybe neither. Maybe they're just talking about a dog breathing. And so how do you get it into context? Well, you got to look at it and think about it and work your way through it. So here we have the spirit of infirmity. Now, many commentators will say, obviously, it's an evil spirit. Well, it could be because he later mentions Satan, doesn't he? So it could be, but it doesn't necessarily have to be. It could just be that the weight of the infirmity has its own effect on everything that she is. It's like the spirit of that thing, the essence of that weight that she's been carrying is really destroying her life. So, but it could be, there could be some demonic influence or involvement in all of that. But he calls her a daughter of Abraham, which is a woman of faith. And, you know, when he, when he heals her, he doesn't really say, oh, demons come out. He just heals her. So we'll we'll talk about it a little bit more. But I just want you to open your mind a little bit to the possibility that we're not really talking about this Old Testament believer here. This Jewish woman goes to synagogue every Sabbath that she somehow is possessed by the devil because nobody seems to be concerned about that in the storyline. Does that make sense? But... She does have this infirmity. Now, here's here's what that word looks like. Uh, a feebleness, body or mind. It could be something physical. Well, it says he straightened her up. We say that to our kids all the time, too, don't we? Straighten up? Are they crooked? Well, you know, if they're crooked, you need to straighten them up. So there might be some, might be a mental thing that's been weighing on her. Well, here's another thought. Have you ever had troubles that just weigh you down? I, I know people that just can't even get out of bed. They curl up in a fetal position and they lay there for days. I've known people like that because of the weight of something that's just, it's got them. The essence of that thing. You know, the uh, G72772 there, the feebleness translate, but it's from this other word, which basically means having no strength, strengthless. She has this, uh, the essence of everything that is weak. I mean, her life is on, how long can you put up with something, 18 years? That's a while, isn't it? Even if it's physical things. I mean, imagine some of the folks we've been talking about tonight with their pains and ailments. 18 years? Man, take me home, Lord. Get me out of here. I, you know, Cliff waiting for that just two weeks with the pain. 18 years? That's gotta be destructive. Well, there she was. The woman showed up. Came to the synagogue, probably like she does every every Sabbath. Eighteen years, physical or mental anguish, maybe some of each. So back to verse eleven, and was bent over and could in no way raise herself up. It, So we've all been there. It's like, man, Lord, I can't do this. And as a matter of fact, the sooner we admit that to ourselves and to him, we start to really begin to live by faith. When We start to see that I can't save myself from anything. I need Christ. But she didn't know that at this time. She's just doing what she's always done, expecting different results. She was going to synagogue. Again, and again, and again. Perhaps this time. Now, what was it that bowed her, you know, a physical life problem, crippling? Hey, I found this on the website. It starts with the word perhaps, but it's it's something about women because that's the safest thing to do is Google it because whatever it says here, I didn't think it up. Somebody else did. It's from uh, making a home dot blog or something like that. This lady wrote this stuff. It's talking about midlife crisis for women, but you know these are the kind of things that cause pain. But you know uh, perhaps she's premenopausal and pursued her career all this time. And is now faced with the fact that she can't have biological children. You know her body clock is ticking. Perhaps her children have uh, been the center of her life and identified and now, and identity and now she has an empty nest. Well that, that could be an 18 year problem raising kids. <laughs> you know, and after they move out it could be another 18 year problem depending on if your kids are good or bad or what. Or, not your kids, other people's kids. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, uh perhaps her husband has left her and traded her in for a younger, newer model. Well, that might be a blessing. You never know. Not really, but I've seen some pretty wicked men out there in my day. But that, that would still, you know, why do women stay in abusive relationships? Because the fear of the unknown. I, they love the guy anyway, and they... Eighteen years. Don't know. Perhaps she always uh she's always been admired for her external beauty and now uh must face the reality of her declining physiology. Perhaps caring for her aging parent catches her off guard, attacks a sense of her peace and security as well as wearing her out physically, emotionally, and mentally. Often, the years seem to have passed too quickly, and she's used up. That's just a few things, but some of those, it's kind of hard to say, would that last 18 years, or bent over, like something heavy is crushing her. So it must be physical. Well, it could be. You know, David wrote in the Psalms, let me show you this verse. Because of a sin that he was involved in, because of wrong things and his inability to confess it and deal with it, he kind of nursed it along for a while. But then later he wrote this, he says, when I kept silent, my bones grew old. Starting started to cave in. Just hiding within himself. Day and night, your hand was upon me, Lord, but my vitality was turned into a drought. You're drying up. Everything that he was as a person, his vitality, his life, it's just weighed heavy on him. It's taking him all. There's a certain amount of bad behavior that does that to us mentally, physically. You know, like if you got involved in meth. That could affect everything, couldn't it? Not only your mind, but your body. Sin. So there's things. Living with an abusive man all your life, would that wear on you? Yeah. There's a lot of women, 18 years. She's struggling. We don't know what from. But whatever it is, she has no solution. Her bones are getting old. The summer heat is just taking the life out of her. Raising kids, good kids, bad kids, socially rejected, left out, burned with life. Married to a loser. I did not see him in the synagogue in this story. Did you see the guy? Where's her man? Was she married? In that culture, if she's a widow or single, I mean, who's providing for this piece of chattel, this woman? This possession of a man. I mean, who's taking care of her? 18 years, she's struggling to survive, maybe? Widow with no income, domestic abuse, feeling of rejection, or maybe revenge is eating at her. She wants to get even with somebody for something. Well, whatever it is, this is probably true of all of us, keep hearing the lies over and over and over in our heads. We just keep hearing the lies. And wherever it comes from, whoever it comes from, wherever we see it, we feel it. And it's crushing us. And we try to outrun it in some way, try to outlive it in some way, try to escape. But it could be that we're our thinking is all wrong. You're not enough. You're not pretty smart, capable. You're just not enough. Where do you get that? From Eve. I mean, let's face it. Eve wasn't even bright enough to pick the right fruit. You know, she's just not capable. And this is really not funny, but it's where it comes from. What the daughters of Eve endure is everything that Eve endured in the garden. Whatever was lost in that moment they wrestle. You girl you ladies wrestle with the same stuff. And I, I can see Eve in the bushes and Adam's up there talking to God and he says, It's you and her. He threw her under the bus. When the buses in those days, I get it. But he's blaming her for everything. She says, Yeah, that's right. I'm not smart enough to pick the right fruit. I'm not good enough. Cover up with these fig leaves, woman. you are not that attractive anymore. Cover up. And Eve wrestles with this stuff and has all of her life. This woman for 18 years, faithful Jewish woman going to synagogue. And she's all weighed down. Everything this woman hears only validates the lies that she has embraced. I think part of coming out of that has to be coming to the one who's speaking the truth into her life and hear him and stop listening to the lies. Just stop. Yeah, I wish it was that easy. At this point, we men could also write that down, stop listening to the lies. We have a whole different set of problems, but it's not in this passage today but it's similar. Just stop listening to the lies and start looking to Christ. The lies that seem to to define and oddly justify her crippled estate. What? There's something about us as sinners that we seem to enjoy our problem because we're always nursing it. You know, well... They're saying the same thing they said, so it must be true about me. Poor me and my little pet, you know. Get rid of it. Give it all to Jesus. It's time to start over somewhere. Well, this is where this poor deer was. Whatever the torture, the self-inflicted or otherwise, there's uh, no cure within herself. She could not in any way get out of it. That's probably the saddest line in this whole story, isn't it? There's no hope for her within herself. And this is the spot where we get to verse 12. And, uh, Jesus saw her. Jesus saw her. How many people were in that synagogue? How many years? Did anybody else ever see her? Jesus saw her, and he called her by name, I would imagine. And he spoke to her. Woman, be loosed. Be set free. Let it die. Give it up. Walk away from your infirmity. And You know, most of us aren't even smart enough to go to where Jesus is to receive that. And it doesn't really matter because God is everywhere all the time and he's constantly watching us and calling us and speaking to us. Why? Because he wants to take care of all of it, all the stuff. He just does. He saw her. He spoke to her. He touched her. He laid his hand on her head in verse 13. And then he straightened her. Immediately. It was gone. She realized she no longer had to wrestle with those things because Jesus paid it all. I mean, some of this isn't in the story, but isn't it true? Who else could help her overcome this? Well, he did. We don't really know what it was, what the infirmity was, whether it was mental, physical, or whatever. I'm just making all this stuff up tonight to make a point that no matter what it is any of us, male or female, are wrestling with, Jesus sees us, and he is calling us by name, And he is ready to touch us with the grace of Calvary and to straighten out our mess, every one of us. That's just a fact. That is what we believe. That is to believe the gospel part of what Jesus was teaching. But what? But what? But yeah, but what? David said this, Psalm 35, my soul shall be joyful in the Lord. That's after he confessed his problem. And it shall rejoice in his salvation all my bones, shall say. Isn't that cool? She got happy bones, man. She's straightened up. Things are better. And she feels it deep inside. Why? Glorify God. She began to bring glory to God because of who he was, what he had done for her. His salvation. We get to verse 14, the ruler of the synagogue, he pipes in. Um, He was the guy in charge of all that stuff at the synagogue anyway. Six days you could go to work. Six days you could come and get healed. But don't do it on the Sabbath. Sabbath. This guy, he, he's a hypocrite. Let's verse. go down to verse 15. We're going to skip a couple here. Lord answered and said, hypocrite, does not each one of you on the Sabbath loose his ox or donkey and water? Yeah. I have this haunt. It seems like I read it somewhere, but I couldn't find it to back my words up. So I'm going to make this up too. But it's basically immoral and ungodly to carry a bucket of water to the barn on the Sabbath but it's okay to lead the critter to the water on the Sabbath, isn't that weird? It's okay for you to walk all the way to synagogue on the Sabbath, but don't do it to come here to get healed. I don't mind if you get healed the other six days of the week, I just don't want you getting healed on the Sabbath. What is wrong with this guy? It's like (laughs) everything Jesus is doing is to prove that he is the Messiah. This guy no doubt believes that he could be because of everything he's doing. But let's not get in trouble with the Pharisees by doing this stuff around here. Because I'm in charge here. And I don't want problems with the big guys. You know, I don't know. Maybe that's what his problem was. Do you ever notice that in legalistic churches, the guy with the loudest no is always in charge? No, no, no. We're not doing that. We've never done it that way. No, no, no. Ooh, who made you the Pope? No, no, no. It always seems to be that way. And all it does is suck the life out of people. You know what Jesus went on to tell them? Let's look at the next verse. says. He says, uh, So ought not this woman being a daughter of faith, a daughter of Abraham, whom the accuser, that's what that word means, doesn't mean that she was necessarily possessed. He's talking to the synagogue guy now. So you're in favor of being an accuser? The guy isn't bright enough to realize, but Jesus just called him an accuser. That's what he did. Because you, with your rules and regulations about religion and rituals, have decided that We can't heal on the Sabbath. And if we do, what? Are you going to talk about us and accuse us of not being good Jewish people? So what's your rule? Wear this, do that, say this. What's your thing? And then you go around behind the back of the people who attended church because they didn't wear the right clothes and talk about them. Aren't we playing into the accusers ministry? I think so, we become everything that Jesus is against by not showing the love and acceptance to the people that have been bent over for 18 years by the same rules and lies and regulations. And they're coming again, hoping that the novelty of it will bring them up straight and it never will. Nothing will ever work except get away from the legalism and the religion and come to Christ and Christ alone. That's the only thing that's going to fix it. And all the people in verse 17 were amazed. The big guy in the synagogue there looks like he was ashamed, so maybe there's some hope for him. But the people were quite happy. Jesus saw her, last slide. Let me ask you these Here's a couple of statements, I guess, for a closing thought. We know this lady was able to stand tall again, because it says so. We do not know if all her problems went away. do doesn't say that. We know that she was now glorifying God. We do not know if she did that perfectly every day for the rest of her life. We know that she had been touched by Jesus, who saw her and called her by name. We do not know how she met the new challenges the next week. So there's a lot there coming to Christ. He is still our only hope, no matter what happens tomorrow. He sees us. And when He calls us by name and He's speaking to us all the time, He wants us to just trust Him. So if you don't quite do it right tomorrow, get up anyway, give thanks and keep moving. Just tell the Lord. Walk with Him. That's the whole thing. And that, I think, is where she was really blessed 18 years of nothing dead religion and she finally met the savior she was straightened and she glorified God praise him forever but I want uh, all you ladies to know the Lord sees you he really does so let's pray Lord we just ask that you'd help us all to understand how much you love us and uh We have nowhere else to go. We're so glad that you called our names, that you've touched us. May your grace and your mercy just fill our hearts this week as we move. And we just pray that you would encourage us, build us up in a way that we all stand straight and share the love of God with others. Lord, I ask that you would greatly bless the women in this church. In Jesus' name, amen.